Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. A very, very special episode today because I'm Illegal 86. I'm one of your three hosts. But today we are four because once again, our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller, is joining us. Stephen, I think what we should do is we should just, just the two of us talk through this episode and pretend that the other two hosts, I don't know, they went and grabbed coffee and never came they're back. Just, they're just sitting there necking again, aren't they? No. Oh, yeah. All day. We're shopping for the next video game we should buy. Boy, thank you for bringing up necking again. That's right, folks. We're what, 30 seconds into the episode. Let's talk about necking because we haven't talked about it in a while. We still don't really know what it means. Or at least I don't know what it means. You're not just rubbing necks. It doesn't make any sense. It's how giraffes mate. Technic Nerd Bomber, are you guys necking? No. Not on air. Come on. We're a PG-13 podcast? Yeah, because sometimes we say, fuck. Wow. Okay. Hold on. So that's the one for the episode. <laughs> yeah. You only otherwise, get one. <laughs> we have to report it. So that implies that you're. You said we don't neck on the air. That implies heavily that you do neck off the air. Is there anything you want to refute that at all, or should I just move on? Okay. So today, today we have covering. a great. <laughs> today we have a a great episode. We're going to be talking about. Taron Edgerton's latest project, or at least I think one of his latest projects, that looks very interesting. He's sticking with Apple TV Plus in the wake of the success of Blackbird. At least I think it was successful. We're going to talk about the trailer that just got unveiled for that movie, which I think has a inspiration and topic that's pretty near and dear to most of our hearts. We're going to be talking a little bit about Twitter because it's 2023 and that's what we do these days. They're back in the news once again for reasons that will become clear. And then we're going to be talking about an animated trilogy that is being rebooted in the, well, actually remade, I should say, in the live action sense to come out in 2025. But I want to start, I, I want to headline with the Tetris movie, because let me just paint you a picture. First of all, Taron Edgerton with the mustache. Can we just like, can we just take a second and talk about how great that is? I love the vibe of, I think he's got like a turtleneck and a mustache in like... Ew. Well, I don't. That's. I was gonna say it's a very like period piece vibe based on just the wardrobe and the mustache. So I really like that aesthetic. Yeah. So I went into this trailer. You know, before I started watching the trailer, I obviously knew what the trailer was for, and I was immediately sour grapes. Like, really? Give me give you a, a counter example. At the Super Bowl, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, there was a trailer that aired during one of the commercial breaks for, like, the story of how they made, like, Air Jordans. And I was like, that seems like a movie that no one needs or is asking for. And maybe I'm wrong about that. But, like, I was like, I don't really, I don't think the story of how Air Jordans were made is very interesting. They I got feel like a lot of sneaker them and they were would disagree. Possibly. But let, let me flip the script and say that I'm a video game fan. And I think Tetris is a great game. But when I first heard they're doing a Tetris movie, whatever, I think it's a movie. I was like, I don't think it's, it's probably not that interesting how Tetris was made. See, I disagree. I immediately. Well, I disagree now. Well, yeah, the, but the like trailer, you know, even my initial sold. impression. So I'm a huge fan of Halt and Catch Fire, which was, it's not really based on anything, but it was kind of supposed to be based on like the computer race back in the day, like your Mac versus PC sort of race. And I found that super interesting. And there wasn't a lot of drama. It was more like interpersonal relationship, nerd drama, business drama, coding drama kind of stuff. And I found that super compelling. And so that's what I thought that we would be getting from like a Tetris movie. I did not expect what we actually got. And nor did I even know the backstory of Tetris was this intense. Is it just me or do all 80s period piece movies just seem absolutely cocaine fueled? 
Like they all just seem like it was just a wild time. And that just... there's yeah, there's some high energy here. Stephen, when you hear Tetris, do you typically think geopolitical conflict? Because I think, I think the greatest game ever made, but not geopolitical comment. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because there's something I want to touch on a little bit later after we talk about the trailer a little bit more. Yeah, so the trailer, I mean, there's a lot of cool, I I think to me the high point, and we can kind of go through this, you know, piece by piece, but there are 10 people who have seen this right now and he shows them the Game Boy. I was like that, a little bit counterintuitive for the trailer in the sense that when I heard that, I was like, because I was still kind of coming out of my like Tetris into isn't that interesting kind of funk. I was like, you know, it would be interesting, a movie about the making of the Game Boy. I think that'd be very interesting. But in this case, they kind of go hand in hand because Tetris was, I believe, released with the Game Boy initially. That's what this whole thing is going towards. That was certainly very interesting. One thing I want to ask you guys, because I I feel bad for not knowing this. I'm guessing the guy at the end of the trailer, I'm supposed to know who that is, and I don't. Do you guys know who that is? Wasn't that or who the... is he supposed to be? Guessing he's the head of Nintendo Yeah, right. at that time. Because he, like, he gives a very measured reaction of like, yeah, it's pretty good, which I thought was pretty funny. Because obviously Tetris is like, there's probably a million video game records that Tetris has broken as being like one of the most popular games in the world, which Steven, you just said greatest, one of the greatest games of all time. I think the simplicity of it is probably its single most noteworthy characteristic. And yeah, I mean, I, I've never played it on Game Boy. I love it. I but have I've, homework for all of you. If you disagree that Tetris is just a profound, amazing game, I want you to watch the esports for Tetris and try not to get hooked and just sucked in. If if you can actively avoid being sucked into watching it, then fine, whatever. You have a leg to stand on. But I'm telling you, it's impossible. It's just, oh my goodness, it's intense. I got sweaty watching it. And it's Tetris. Those guys are insane. Why? Like their little claw technique and... Yeah, How fast weird. must it be moving? I, I guess I've never seen it, so I don't know, but it must be moving hyperspeed for it to be... It moves pretty fast because the, the later levels, I mean, things start dropping really quickly. And I think what is really impressive, it's a very simplistic game on the surface, but there's so much strategy that can go into it. And until you watch like the Masters play you don't really have a good understanding for how you can strategize and how you can like, there's theory and mathematics isn't the right word, but like there's definitely some brain crunching going on when you play Tetris that you don't even realize until you start like analyzing it at a high level. Well, and I, I will, I'll kind of, the contra- in contrast to that, I will say that like the times I felt the dumbest playing video games has been playing Tetris. I'm like, wait a second, I don't have any room for more blocks. Like, that's the whole game, and it's what I'm focused on doing, and yet somehow I still lose. Like, that, it kind of, because of the simplicity of it, when you fail at it, I think that's part of the conceit, is, like, you're, like, immediately want to try it again. Because it's going to start again, it's going to be exactly the same, and you're going to be, like, I think you're going to do better the next time. Obviously, Tetris is super successful. This movie, I think, is going to get into that. I mean, I, I don't, I did not know it had Russian origins. I, I will say right away. I mean, I, I didn't think that they had American origins, but I would have figured japan probably perhaps because of the nintendo ties i don't know but certainly very interesting and i before blackbird i will say i wouldn't have been sold on taron edgerton i think i'm ready to believe in him for this i I don't know much about the character but i believe in the mustache have i mentioned the mustache (laughs) it looks it looks incredible 
So I don't know. How, how are you guys generally feeling about this? Is this is this a watch? Is this a not watch? Is I'm this on a board. I'm, I always think period pieces are a fun time, and I think this is going to be exactly that. I just don't understand what the hell was going on in that time. I mean, if if a game like Tetris came out today, none of that stuff would happen. None of it. Like I said, the eighties the eighties were wild, man. Well, I think what's really interesting too is, first of all, I think Tetris is such a well-known game that even if you aren't really into video games at all, like you've heard of Tetris, you've probably played Tetris. It doesn't matter that you don't know video games at all. Like everybody knows Tetris. And I think what's really cool is starting to see video game movies, not just a straight adaptation, even though we do love a good The Last of Us, but seeing the the history and the background of the development of video games now getting its shine in movies and potentially TV shows and stuff like that. I think it's really cool because we are getting to that point where, you know, the early days of video games are far enough away where there are probably some really interesting stories there. And I mean, would we have guessed that Tetris was, as you called it before, like geopolitical conflict? No, I would not have guessed. But if Tetris was, like what other stories exist behind some of these classic games that everybody, even non-gamers know? And Just wait until they get into how Space Invaders was made. Whew. Right? Like maybe there's a story there. Who knows? And I want to I get the genre of movies going. Well, that's based on a true story. I, I still harbor some doubt that, I mean, like... This is the movie industry. There's probably going to be a little bit of editorializing and dramatization. Isn't right? there like, with it, every kind of historical movie, though? Sure. Like, no, I, I'm I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying that, like, was Taron Edgerton's family really in danger because of Tetris? Like, I'm 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 wondering that. I'd love for the movie to tell me definitively whether or not that's true, or rather, I'd love to watch the movie and then afterwards go on Wikipedia. But I'm not going to do it now because that's going to spoil the movie for me, and I probably will see this. I don't know. Steven, where are you at with this? Are you, first of all, are you an Apple TV plus boy? Because that's question one in this discussion. That's where I have to watch it. And I do have Apple TV plus because of Ted Lasso and MLS is coming back and they have the exclusive rights to MLS. So do they really know? Yeah. Wow. But you have to pay an additional fee on top of it, which is kind of annoying. But yeah, they have the rights to that. So I'll have Apple TV plus when this comes out. Like, what is it, in March, end of March? And so, and it's video game related, so I'll see it because it's Tetris and it's a game I played on the Game Boy growing up. So it's a must watch. The one question I have for you guys is, is would you prefer this kind of take on it or would you prefer a documentary take? That's a really good question. So I have, man, I cannot think of the name of it right now. I want to say The Games That Made Us, but I don't think that's what it's called. There's a Netflix documentary series about video games. And to be perfectly honest, I actually don't think I finished it, but I watched a very good chunk of it. Do some quick Googling, see if I can remember what the title of it was. I don't remember if it talked about Tetris at all. High score is what it was called. And it talked about like like Donkey Kong, the early days of Sega, the early days of, of Nintendo. And it was super interesting. And I think I'm, based on my experience with that, I think I'm going to say I would rather it be a documentary. See, my answer is yes. I like you just want I all would, of it. I want yeah, I want to consume it in both forms of media. Yeah, because I feel like documentaries and dramatizations kind of go hand in hand and one will almost drive me to the other. And I think that they could both like what I would love to see is this movie comes out, right? And it does great. Everybody loves it. There's this super high level of interest in Tetris as a whole. And then we start getting more documentaries about the, you know, real story. Exactly. And then we also see the documentaries about 
pro-champion Tetris players because there's a ton of them. And I know some of those already exist, but seeing them on a higher budget level, because I want to say when we got into the deep dark hole of watching esports Tetris, there is actually a Tetris documentary, but it's focused on, I think it was like it followed five Tetris players getting ready for the world championship. And it was on like Tubi or something. So I mean... Not to completely discredit Tubi, but if the something's only streaming on Tubi, it doesn't necessarily scream like, hey, this is a super high budget production. So I would love to see this kind of have other documentaries follow. And I will take them all gladly because, you know, it was it was a solid like two months where we went down the Tetris dark hole and it was a great dark hole to go down. So I want more people to be there. I think, you know, what this makes me think a lot about and I, you know, I, I would think there's an avenue for this in, in life today is like when, when you think about things like Candy Crush, Flappy Bird, you know, games that have very simple ideas and designs can become overnight. Okay, another good example. And I know for a fact, because I was there, that in college, Technic Nerdbomber and I had a pretty serious 2048. Like, I, mean, I think I could call it an obsession. I was playing it all the time. Why can't Tetris have that now? Because games like Tetris, again, with kind of a very simple design that lends itself to kind of just swiping on your phone and playing forever, like, why can't that be revitalized in that arena today? That's a question that I would just, I don't know if I'm necessarily asking you guys because it's a pretty deep question, but like, I wonder out loud if that's possible. And if like, if this movie and if a subsequent documentary do kind of like revitalize public interest in Tetris, which is this like monolithic seeming concept that's incapable of change or revitalization, like, is that revitalization possible? I don't think there's a revitalization that's even needed. You'd be surprised how big the underground Tetris community is. I even have a group of friends that we have well, but not Tetris, but Tetris attack competitions that we go around competing in. I would but why say, is it why is it underground though? Is is my question? It just maybe, makes it sound more badass. I would say it's not really a underground because you've got Tetris ninety nine on the Switch, which is mm-hmm. still big. You've got Tetris Connect on like what is it, the VR is on Switch. It's on PlayStation. Like everyone talks about how great that game is. So it's amazing. I still think it is kind of somewhat mainstream, but not huge, huge mainstream. But I still think it's there in modern forms. Is there a mobile, maybe that, maybe that's the secret sauce is like, is there a play it on your phone while you're on the bus? Tetris? I mean, I would I'm think sure there is. There is. If but there's not know. like it, Tetris in name, I'm sure there's some sort of clone of it. But, you know, Stephen, you brought up Tetris Effect Connect. And that is, if you guys have not played that, that is great. And one of the things, one of the times when I found myself playing it, so I have an exercise bike kind of set up in front of the TV and when people come over, we put it away. But for most of the time, it's, you know, set up right in front of the TV. And I'll play like stupid games like Peggle. And not that these games are stupid, but like games that you're not like doing combat or like thinking too hard. But stuff like Peggle and Tetris Effect. And that game, let me tell you, I burned some real calories with that. It's got a great soundtrack. You play against other people. It is like high stakes fun stuff and it's also like very like i know i just said it's high stakes but it's also kind of zen i don't know you just gotta play it yeah it's zen great. is the right word there, there's i know exactly what you're referring to there's like this level of mental activity where it's not mindless but you, so you're you're attached and you're in it but you're not it's not draining the energy that you're spending in your case like on an exercise bike or doing something like something else it's a very specific 
state of gaming. Now we're kind of just geeking out about Tetris, but I do think Tetris is like, you know, one of the things about it that I'm not sure we've talked about a whole lot. You know, I, I mentioned that it's a simple concept a lot of the time, but like another way to put that is it's so accessible, right? Like anyone can pick Tetris up, understand it in five seconds and, and play it and, you know, theoretically become a really, really great Tetris player. And I think that's like one of the great things about it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, March 31st, this movie comes out. I we're, Again, we're kind of just talking now about how great Tetris is, but uh, it is great. And uh, also, shout out to Ted Lasso, Stephen. Thank you for reminding me of that. That's, I believe, March 15th that comes out. So big month upcoming for Apple TV Plus. If you're like subscriber dancing, if you're like off that, you might want to get back on. Not that I'm like shilling for Apple TV Plus out here, but seems like it might be a good time to get back on. Let's move on. Let's stay in the realm of movies. And let's talk about How to Train Your Dragon, because How to Train Your Dragon, famous and popular DreamWorks franchise that I don't remember when, does anyone know when the last movie came out? It's been a while. It's been a hot minute. The movies haven't been out in a while, but there have been TV show spinoffs on Netflix that have been, you know, out and about in the last few years. Nurbarma, I may be wrong. Are you a fan of How to Train Your Dragon? Or am I, of I course. We've talked about it at some point. I had a very strong feeling that you were, but I didn't know for sure. I have not seen a single minute of How to Train Your Dragon. So what? I'm going to go ahead and take a back seat in this conversation. Steven, have you? Of, of course I've seen them. Okay, thank you. Okay, can, can everyone stop saying of course? Yeah, like, I, j- <laughs> who hasn't seen them? Like, how do you uh, y- even call boy. yourself a human if you haven't seen um, these movies? He's not a human. Yeah, I, got, yeah, I might be lying. I might be, I might be lying about that. Guys, actually, fun fact, he's really just an AI. We you know, have had stake in chat GPT and illegal is just an AI version. I am alien. He's the one that's been releasing (laughs) balloons into the sky. I am all of these things. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're like, I mean, you guys stand as like a direct example that like, it wasn't like an age thing that kept me from seeing them. I just, I don't know, never took the opportunity or got the opportunity to see them, but I may get the opportunity to see them in a different way because they are getting a live action remake already announced and they're in the casting process. This is supposed to come out March 14th, 2025. So two years from now, essentially, this is probably a very big deal. <laughs> uh, again, like I, I feel very detached from this cause I haven't seen a single, I think I've listened to the soundtracks cause the scores for these movies are really good. And I'm like a movie score nerd, but I guess, uh, bomber tactic, Steven, uh, take it away. Gush. If you like, talk about what you would like to see and i have i can just sit here quietly because i don't i'm sure they're great i don't want to like seem like a crank but you're a crank it's okay my first question for both steven and tactic and definitely not illegal is not me i'll just be here are you excited and do you think they can pull off this transition and then my follow-up is who would you like to see cast so for me i'm gonna start with yes i'm excited okay for me, they need to cast Hiccup as Jay Barchel. Keep I, the voice. I know who you're talking about. Because he's too old. One, I don't think so. He's he's old, man. I, I think his voice fits so well. Well, obviously, you'd want to somehow get somebody who sounds like the character that we already know and love, but he, he is old for the role, man. He's, for, he's, he's 40. I just Googled it. Like, I know we are in a day and age where older actors play teenagers, but I don't know if that's like, that's a bit of a reach. I could see him walking around a high school. Is there a high school in How to Train Your Dragon? No, I'm saying <laughs> or, in like like a high school sitcom where they're all, you know, you know how it's like 30 and 40 year olds playing high school students. I could see he, he would fit in. He doesn't age. He looks like a little, a little kid. I think, like I said, for me, 
he would have to be hiccup everyone else i don't care they can they can gut the whole cast but maybe tj miller just because that'd be just hilarious but everyone else they can gut steven let's talk about this well hang on can i talk about the dragon for a second well actually what what's steven is the expert here or at least one of the experts i'm a i'm a backseat driver so i'll just keep my hand raised but i do i want to talk about the dragon because i think that's the important part for me this movie i could take it or leave it i think just because i have the trilogy like i don't need this movie i'll see it just because it'll come to theaters but it's not going to tarnish the legacy of the, the cartoon so i feel like if anything it'll maybe give a bigger audience to people like tactic who hasn't seen it or like i've seen somebody. it i've seen them all there's, there's he's talking some... about me yeah oh yeah sorry illegal uh and then there's like i have a coworker who doesn't like animated movies he thinks they're for kids so maybe he'll see this and learn about the franchise so it's just kind of i think it can can go either way with its importance coming out but i have no idea for casting maybe i mean my first instinct is maybe one of the stranger things kids oh that could i don't know but i don't know which one instinct yeah they're the only kind of popular kids i can think of right now I also, like, my first gut was, like, Asa Butterfield, but I don't know if he would be too old. I think he's aging up, too. I was just going to say that. Yeah, um, he's, I guess I he's don't know how old he old is. He's too, yeah. To be clear, I, I want to make it clear that my problem is not that it's this movie is and these movies are animated, and I'm going to bear that out in my What Are You Up To Wednesday update, which we'll get to later. But, yeah, I, I want to talk about the dragon, because, like, I think live-action dragons... Like, live-action people are obviously just people. But, like, the dragons in How to Train Your Dragon, I'm about to maybe piss you guys off, they look derpy. <laughs> right, but that's and intentional you, because it's a, it is a, it is, it is sure. for kids. But in a live-action movie, are they going to be able to make derpy dragons? That is, is going to be as easy? big concern. I feel yeah. like... Because one of the things that made me want to see the first movie, and then, like, I obviously stuck around because the movie was good... But it was the general cuteness of Toothless. Like, Toothless is heckin' cute. He's adorable, guys. Like, there's... I know he can be fierce, but, like, at the end of the day, he's cute. And I don't know how you make him cute in a live-action sense. I feel like that's gonna be really difficult. Also, Toothless has teeth. Can I just... I'm just Googling around here. I, I can tell you exactly how the, where they can take inspiration from to make this work from a cuteness factor, factor, from a derpy factor, and from a coolness factor. And the answer is take all of their inspiration from prehistoric planet. That covered every di- different type of dinosaur from derpy to cool. And I think that would work. And if they take inspiration from actual dinosaurs, oh my goodness, I think it's a slam dunk. I just Googled prehistoric planet while you were talking. There are indeed a couple of derpy boys when you just Google image it. Yeah, well, okay, it sounds like my uneducated concern is somewhat justified if if nerd bomber has the same concern it's just that's i guess that's one of the main things i'm thinking about casting yeah they'll 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 sort that all out but this is an interesting turn for dreamworks i don't know to be honest i don't know what live action movies they even have or have made and also worth noting they're riding a bit of a high right now because the last puss in boots movie like did really good and I don't, i'm not sure people were expecting it to so shout out to dreamworks i guess you know keep doing what you're doing and make a live action how to train your dragon like I said, 2025, March 14th. And yeah, there are, you know, TV spinoffs. It sounds like occurring right now, including one set in the present day, which I also think is interesting because it's, according to this article, I have 1300 years after the first movie. So quite a time jump there. No shortage of how to train your dragon content, both now and in the past and in the future. So everyone but me who has seen it, apparently, can 
I rejoice in that. You've got some homework to do, Illegal. You've got some homework to do. Yeah, I guess I'll add it to the list. Um, like I said, I think uh, the scores were the late, great James Horner, and I've listened to those, but I haven't actually watched any of the movies. So I'll add it to the old to-do list. For right now, the top of the to-do list, well, actually the second top of the to-do list is to take our typical break and come back and talk a little bit about Twitter. But the top of the to-do list is, of course our weekly producer shout out for our patreon producer mr stephen keller who's here with us right now he gets the in-person shout out i stephen i could actually shout at you if you want that i think it'd be a little aggressive and it would make it difficult on our editors so i'll just try and keep the volume levels do it i do it i want to hear it hey hey thanks how is that i didn't you caught me totally off guard that was really good yeah look i'll work on it for for next time editing staff good luck with those levels we don't have an editing staff guys Tactic does it. That's that's the inside scoop. So Tactic, I'm I'm sorry about that. Steven sports on Patreon. So as a result, he gets this guest spot on occasion. He gets the producer shout out every single week. He gets access to our monthly secret segment and vlog, and he gets all of those benefits as a result of his support on the night level, which is the highest of our three levels of support. There's also a squire level of support which would get you access to the monthly secrets segment and vlog and a page level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secrets segment and the details on any and all of those levels of support are found over at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. You can head over there, chat with us, chat with Steven, consider getting back to the show and, you know, getting those sweet, sweet shout outs and input into the weekly game segment, which once again, this week, Steven had input into the game segment and he's going to play in the game segment. So, you know, bit of a competitive advantage not that he needs one over me because i think i'm currently on another losing streak but uh we'll get to that a little bit more later so again patreon.com slash online warriors podcast go check things out there thanks to steven and thanks to all of our supporters we will take a short break and come back to talk about twitter let's see alex uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Okay, so we're going to round out our topics this week by talking a little bit about Twitter, which, as I've alluded to a few times now, has been in the news a lot as of late. Uh, We don't need to get into all the reasons why, but before we get into this one, I want to talk about Elon Musk specifically for one second. Picture this. You're Elon Musk. All right. You're very rich. You're richer. You're less rich now than than you were a couple months ago, but you're still very rich. Why would you not make a cent a brand of sense called Musk. It's your name. 
Am I missing something here? Is this anything? I envision he smells off. Not bad, not good, just off. So I, I don't know that that'd be a good choice. Oh, Elon Musk. He, he probably, he smells, he smells like the dollar bills that he dives into every morning. No, no, not good, not bad, just off. Just something just you're like, huh. that you think about what he smells like. <laughs> well, I think Fair about point. what he smells like in the context of this, like, he doesn't need to even need to have a signature scent. He could, like, buy the brand, whatever another scent brand is. I don't know. Hugo Boss. Just I'm just throwing that out there. It's either rename it Musk or or Axe body spray. That's like I could see that one. Just... He might be an Axe user. Yeah. Uh, hi, Elon. I'm sure you're listening. What do you smell like? At at OW Legal eighty six uh, is my Twitter account. Let yeah, definitely know. don't at me. I don't feel like I need to know anybody's bodily scent. <laughs> you can you can at me if you're listening. Imagine trying to describe like I don't know how to even describe the way I smell. I think I smell good, but like Bassat, what would you even say? If you tweeted Elon, what do you smell like? What do you think he would say? I don't know what he would say, but I do have a specific scent. I smell like shea and cocoa butter. That is what all of my things smell like. Okay, so you're just reading like the bottle of what you use. But that's what I smell like. Like, Yeah. No, that's not it farts i've been told <laughs> i've been told a couple of times now we're totally off the rails but i've been told a couple of times that and this is by co-workers by the way that i smell like laundry i mean i guess that I means like, do you know why i smell like yeah like, i do my laundry that's why i smell that way i don't carry any natural scent i just smell like the laundry that i do which i think is a pretty good outcome. and they say that when they're like sniffing just under your ear <laughs> no no, I believe it or not, no one really does that at my at my workplace. Stephen, we're Let's going off about, the rails. What do yeah, you smell like? <laughs> you don't. I, you don't have don't to answer know that, what, Stephen. I don't know what my body wash is right now. It's uh, okay. So we'll write for you. We'll write down indeterminate. Yeah, <laughs> something from native. Um, I think it's lime something. Ooh. Okay. Now we're talking. Uh, we'll we'll tweet it out later. We'll, we'll get nice. that sorted out. Salsa. I bet you smell like a like a lime salsa. I don't think that's I, probably not it. Okay, now we are all Twitter users. That is a that's a confirmed fact. Do any of you use the SMS two factor authentication? Let me start by saying that I do as well. I use. I know it's not the most secure, but I use SMS two factor authentication on like everything. So and you should. I don't. What do you use any two factor authentication? Let me go ahead and scroll down. This Steven, do do you please? Somebody. Yeah, I have the two. F- Two-step authentication, and I used the Authenticator app, so I was, like, double, triple covered. That is, the, honestly, Authenticator apps are the smart way to go. And for my most important stuff, I do use the Authenticator app. As of December 2021, no no cheating, because I'm reading the article, the bottom of the article that we all have, but what percentage of Twitter users had 2FA turned on as of December 2021? 67%. I feel like it's not that high. I'm going to say... Like go ahead, 17 17. I'm going to say a cool 25%. Okay, so you guys, the three of you all use 2FA. I do not. You guys are the unicorns. 2.6%. Are you serious? That is according to TheVerge.com. So so let's go into this article because... Yeah, we could... I, I just wanted to preface it with that because I think like this, you know, basically the gist of it is they're, they're now going to charge for SMS two-factor authentication. It's only going to be available for Twitter Blue subscribers. So th- I assume this has a direct... I don't know if any of you guys are paying for Twitter Blue, but if not, this has a very direct impact on the way you use Twitter. Well, I think the interesting thing... So I woke up yesterday morning, I believe, to... I mean, this is probably a sad state of like what I do, but I wake up and I check Twitter 
I'm still in bed, check Twitter, and I get the pop You're a human up being. saying, "I do the same thing." Hey, like two-factor authentication is now going to be locked behind a Twitter Blue subscription, and this is what really got me. If you don't manually turn it off, your account is going to be locked. As yes, of this is XP. a PSA. Okay, I did not know that because I don't use it. So like but that that's uh, that's interesting. And like it's not like I got an email. I'm sure maybe I got an email and it got filtered to spam. But if I hadn't logged in, like if I was out of the country or incapacitated for whatever reason until March when this goes into effect, I would be locked out of my account and that would suck. So so the background here because you know, as has been the case a few times when articles like this come out, Elon almost immediately tried to get ahead of it by basically saying this is costing us money, which, you know, my direct response to that would be Yes, running a website costs money. I, I don't. I guess I don't understand. Like, he basically said they were. I'm kind of going to quote him now. He said a company was overcharging them for what he called fake SMS authentication, which I don't understand how SMS authentication could be fake. Basically, I have a lot of questions. But this is also coming on the heels of, or not on the heels actually, Facebook on the heels of this. Did you see what Facebook did today? This is an offshoot of this article, but I read about today that yeah. they're basically doing a, a a very similar deal to Twitter Blue of like authenticated membership for I think actually more than eight dollars a month. So this is the thing now. This is turning into becoming the norm. This is maybe the first step in certain Twitter features being bled off from the general user base to only the Twitter Blue users. Uh, which is, you know, obviously it's very troubling. It's interesting to watch these giant social me- media sites slowly die in the interest of shareholders. Is Twitter dying, though? Yes. I don't know about that. I don't know that it is. I, I, I would have thought so a, a few months ago. I would have thought, okay, it's on its way out. And I was given a lot of reason to believe that it was. But it's kind of i mean i don't want to say it's going strong right now because once a week you hear something like elon musk fired this super good engineer because he wasn't getting enough engagement that was i think last week's thing so it's certainly you know under fire at least in the public eye but has the user base really dropped that much i I would guess the answer is no it's not that it's dropped but i guarantee you as the generations continue it's going to get less new users and that's what I mean by a slow death. That you may be right about. That I, I, I wouldn't know off the top of my head. Or even on the bottom of my head. Whether that's true or not. Steven, what would it take for you... Assuming... Are you a Twitter Blue subscriber? I, I am not. What would it take for you to pay $8 a month to be a Twitter Blue subscriber? Nothing. I would never not, yeah. that. <laughs> okay. Nothing is my answer as well, I think. There are so many... I see the blue check marks all the time. That's then that's anecdotal, but like these, there's a lot of people doing it right now. I'm not 100 percent sure of the benefit that it really gets you if you're not like a famous person or have like a billion subscribers. Uh, I guess now we're finding out there's going to be a more concrete benefit because things like this are apparently going to get switched over to to blue only features. But I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you know the article I have here again from The Verge makes the point that SMS is the weakest of the authentication forms. Stephen, I know you mentioned using the authenticator app which is mentioned here as like a good thing to do because apparently the there's a sim swap sort of hack that allows people to get around sms two-factor yeah this seems bad <laughs> like that's a very broad brush take on this but it seems bad well, is think, there a counter argument for me what is the most confusing way to market this change is the communication from both twitter and elon musk because there was like immediate backlash like the first thing i did was search like two-factor on twitter and just to see what like the general sentiment was and 
As expected, lots of backlash. So the response to that was, well, it's not secure anyway, so just switch to the Authenticator app, which sure, but then why are you making people pay more for a less secure option? It's just a, a little bit of a head scratcher. And I think it's just very unprecedented to paywall security features. That just seems a little weird, but... Yeah, that's a pretty good point. I mean, you could maybe make the argument that they're trying to elbow people out of the SMS because they know it's the least effective. But then just say, hey, it's not secure anymore. We're not going to offer this. Yeah, just say we're not supporting it, right? I guess maybe they think, hey, we can elbow people out of it while also maybe making money off of some people in the process if people want to stick to it. Because like, I believe Nintendo, because you can do two-factor authentication for your Nintendo account, and I believe they don't support SMS for the reason that it's not as secure. They make you use the Authenticator app. So like, giving me that reason would have made sense. I guess I, what I wonder is, will there be any bump in twitter blue subscription as a result of this and that's probably kind of hard to track unless they're like asking people as they sign up for twitter blue why are you doing it and they're saying so i can get sms authentication back which i think is unlikely yeah if it was only two percent of people too that just to me it seems like every opportunity to be shysty they're shysty and it's just well and i will also say uh just color that number further 2.6 percent of users had 2fa turned on and 70 74 percent of those users were using sms so the vast majority of people who use 2fa do use sms as the 2fa but it's still i mean 74 percent of 2.6 is what two i just don't understand why we don't care about our public image anymore it just Ah, screw you. Eh, we're just doing what we want. Oh, like why yeah. why companies don't? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of Twitter's brand right now. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, but I don't know. I guess they figured the bottom line is going to be the same no matter what they do, which they may be right about. Twitter is the kind of thing that, you know, when all of this first started happening, I thought maybe it's time for me to hop off this boat. But for better or for worse, I haven't yet because I like it too much. Maybe that's what they're betting on. You know, uh, we'll see. But uh for now, uh, as, the, as the PSA said earlier, if you have SMS 2FA turned on, turn it off or get Twitter blue. Because if you don't turn it off, then you're going to get locked out of your account. Which is, yeah, that's crazy. That's a pretty weird way to go about it as like, well. Just disable it automatically when that date comes. Don't lock you out. I don't know. Well, the thing you're not thinking about is that that would make too much sense. So why would they, why would they do that? Fair. Yeah. So uh, shout, uh, shout out to Twitter. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of anything we've talked about this week on the show? At OWLeeLady6 is my Twitter handle. We have at OWNerbomber and OWTechnic. And our main show account at OnlineWarriors1, where you can talk about any or all of these topics. And while you're on there talking to us about stuff, make sure your uh, SMS 2FA is turned off. Or get Twitter blue, if that's your cup of tea. Let's get into what we've been up to in our What Are You Up To Wednesday What are you up to Wednesday? Yes. Not pre-recorded. We do that live every week. Steven, as, as our guest... We're going to roll the red carpet out for you. What have you been up to? Did you Not steal that from speak, Hot Ones? Just in general. No, I didn't intentionally, but he does say that. We're going to roll <laughs> the red carpet out for you. And then, yeah, yeah, this camera, this camera, this camera. Uh, we don't have any cameras, Stephen, no so don't cameras. look at any cameras. Let us know what, what you have going on in your life. Yeah, I stole that too. That's from Hot Ones. Uh, let's see here. The main thing I've been doing that has consumed my life is a <clears throat> Fire Emblem Engage on the Switch. I've pretty much stopped doing everything just so I can play this game because I love it. And I don't know if you guys are all Fire Emblem fans or have ever played any of them. I've had my eye on it, but I've never played it. This I'm not myself, but I know they're in Nintendo Direct. They're doing a bunch of new characters. Do I have that right? Yeah, they're just doing some 
DLC character drops. I think they've done yeah. two of them so far, and they have one more character drop and then a story-based DLC coming later. But yeah, How would you say it ranks? Because I'm assuming you're a big Fire Emblem fan. How would you say this one ranks compared to all the other ones that you've played? I haven't played all of them. I think I've only really played Awakening on the 3DS and then Three Houses, which came out on the Switch a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like I liked Three Houses like story-wise a lot more. This one's just kind of fun combat. You just get kind of sucked into the characters, but there's not as much to do like at the home base. Mm-hmm. Like like Three Houses, it was kind of like a school you were at, so you had to go to class. You had to... There's a lot more to do to interact with your other characters because you get... As you talk with the characters, your bond with them kind of grows. And so that's kind of where Fire Emblem kind of gets a bad rap because people think it's just a dating sim because of the bond characters because that's what happened in awakening where you could marry somebody and then you had a kid and then the your kid became kind of like a future you and it was kind of interesting how it tied into the story but this there's bonds there's not really a romantic thing to it there's no romance really to it it's just kind of a bond that levels up so it kind of gets so that's kind of a nice aspect to it but there's no waifus or husbandos as people like to call them in this one yeah, would you need a- to play the other ones to get into this game no, they're all they're all solo stories. You'll okay. kind of know like the characters that you the emblems. The whole thing of this game is the emblems on a ring. Those are past characters from prior games, but it's not really essential to know who they are. Most of them are the Smash Bros. fighters. Mm-hmm. So if you've played Smash Marth Brothers, Roy. yeah, you recognize those characters. But yeah, there's no you don't really have to have played the prior games to know who they are. Good to know, because it's always been a little bit of a barrier to entry for me, is that I'm like, oh, well, I feel like there's all of this lore that I won't know, so I'm just not going to even look into it. But yeah, good to it, know. Yeah, you don't need to know the prior games to know who these people are, so it makes it nice. They're all kind of standalone. And then the one other thing that I know Nerd Barmer wants me to talk about is yes. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. I saw that yesterday, and so I haven't been watching the Marvel TV shows. So I was like, I hadn't watched Loki. So I was like, okay, I got to watch Loki because Kang's in it. So I watched Loki and I was like, Kang's only in one episode. This was a yeah. waste of my time. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, tail end. <laughs> yeah. So, I liked Loki, but that's a fair assessment of its importance. It's yeah. like, gets important at the very end. And then, so went into this, watched it. And I don't know if I'm just done with the MCU. I don't know if I'm Marvel you fatigue. Are. Yes, you are. Yes. But like, You're done with it. I don't know if it's, the multiverse part that's killed me because I don't feel like there's any stakes anymore. There's there's just going to be another version of somebody that probably pops out somewhere, like with the whole Gamora and the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I just, it was just, I don't know. I kind of started falling asleep in the middle, so I don't really know what happened in the middle. That's not a great I've, thing I've, this is this, this is my favorite review of any movie ever. Because I, you have to know <laughs> how overjoyed this makes me. Like, I, again, to be clear, I have not seen it. But I don't like, I, yeah, like you said, like it's it's almost like no one can die, right? No one can really die. Gamora has proven that. And yes, it's a different Gamora. But guess what? It's functionally, for the purposes of most of these movies and most of the runtime of these movies, she is Gamora. <laughs> she is the same Gamora that was. So like it's, yeah, what are the stakes is a very interesting and important question because I think the MCU has had stakes problems for a little bit of like a while and pre-endgame they were able to get around that because they were all leading up to endgame which is where the stakes were but now it's just yeah it's 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 very nebulous and this is i'm saying this without even having seen quantumania so i don't even know how 
much less staky it gets. But I you almost fell asleep during the middle of it. Yeah, yeah that's not a, that's that's dang. It was, <laughs> it was it was rough. And like I don't know the previous Ant Man movies, they're light. They're mm-hmm. kind of there's nothing world ending with them. And this just seems like it's more heavier. It's not as funny. Michael Pena is not in the movie. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but he's that like the is, best part yeah. of those movies. And so, yeah, it's just kind of not there to have him do his little recaps all the time. And it's just nobody's funny. I lived for those recaps. I know. Well, the first one was good. And like the second one was pretty good. But like the first one, I think, was particularly good because of the like irreverence factor of like, yeah, it's, it's Paul Rudd. He's a funny man. Michael Pena is doing all those recaps. And like it just it felt different right it felt different than the other ones and that's one of the most important things these movies can do nowadays is feel different than the other ones thor ragnarok is another great example of that in my opinion so if they're getting if they're leeching all of that out of it then what's left probably something that's not very interesting (laughs) is what it sounds like yeah it didn't really feel any different than the other marvel movies like it that's what yeah the ant-man kind of gave before was it was the heist movie there's lighthearted this just felt dark there's no real there's like light flashies with kind of like Thor's the last couple of Thor movies, but yeah, it wasn't for me. And I don't know how much more I have left of these movies. And no one's having fun anymore. I have to Is ask that like you, the... like Cassie Lang has obviously a bigger role in this movie, probably for the first time. Like I know she's been present in other movies, but there was also like the hubbub of how she was recast going into this. Like what kind of bright future? Like how did that work even? Did she feel like a natural part of the MCU? Did it just feel like weirdly forced? Like, I don't even know at this point. Yeah, it feels like, because they're trying, what are they doing now? The Young Avengers or something like that is what they're mm-hmm. kind of aiming towards. It feels like that's what they're trying to do with her. And I don't know if it's necessary. It just, I don't know. It's not about what's necessary. It's about what's money. Yeah. And they just keep dragging these out. It still feels like there's no direction for what, I mean, they're supposed to be Kang. is supposed to be the big bad. And... Yeah, I guess he's kind of a big bad, but I think we kind of learned with Loki that there's multiple Kangs. So then is he really the big bad? And so, yeah. Well, you'll you'll find out. I mean, you'll find out in Ant-Man 4, (laughs) right? Like that's the, you'll find out more. There's been times where he gets captured and then he frees himself from capture. It's like the, the whole parallel thing just makes it annoying. Yeah, it's a, it's. Getting away from itself, it sounds like. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, currently in theaters. Go check it out if you want to have a nap, it sounds like. Uh, man, that made me so happy. Thank you thank you so much for providing us with that. I mean, I'm sorry. It sounds like I didn't want to be the know. Debbie Downer, though, but yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Go play Fire Emblem instead. Go play Fire Emblem instead. That's a good, uh, that's a good positive note to, to end your update on. I'm going to go next. What happened? I want to talk about a movie that I saw, which is pretty old, but pretty good. It's called The Gift, and it's a suspense thriller currently on Netflix. stars Jason Bateman, Rebecca Hall, and Joel Edgerton, who also wrote and directed it, which I think is pretty interesting. This is directorial debut. I'm going to call this Cinema of the Uncomfortable, because there's a lot... There's a first, like, 20 to 30 minutes of this movie in particular. I was squirming out of my skin because of the awkward premise which is basically a couple moves into a house. A guy sees uh, someone he knew in high school and that guy starts inviting himself over to their house a lot and like trying to insert himself into their lives as a friend. And it's very awkward, but then it turns into like suspense, (laughs) turns into like suspense thriller territory. And it's like pretty compelling, even if some of the characters make some 
Did they start a questionable podcast decisions ever? along the way? I no, they just, did not start I a podcast. Just, I just. They should have you. That would have been interesting, though. But Which yeah, pretty good. Friend? I, I think. I mean, I would be the friend because the other two are married. Yeah. So I guess I'm the weird one. Message received, Nerd Bomber. <laughs> I was kidding. Message received. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's free on Netflix. Pretty, pretty entertaining. But the, the main thing I wanted to go into some detail about, and I'm going to implore everyone who has the opportunity to do this to do it, because I think a lot of people probably don't know about the ability to do it. But certain movie theaters, I believe around the country, because I've, I've done this in two different states now. I lived in two different states. I've done it in two different states. You can buy a regular price movie ticket and go see all of the oscar-nominated animated short films back to back to back to back so it works out to be like 90 minutes and you see all of them so you can essentially see all the films nominated in the category and decide which one you think is the best and the thing about animated shorts i mean if you you know probably the most commercially accessible is like the pixar shorts they used to be before all the pixar movies but imagine that but with uh like a lot of them are much darker and like more adult themed so it's super interesting. And the nice thing about it is that if you don't like one of them, it's probably going to be over in 10 to 20 minutes. So you'll get another one. I strongly encourage anyone who has the opportunity to do this to do this. Because like I said, I think right now, because I did this this past weekend, they're playing in theaters across the country. So you can go buy a ticket and do this. You can also do it for the same thing for the live action shorts and the documentary shorts. I've done the live actions once. I wouldn't recommend that as much just because it's significantly more depressing turns out live action shorts tend to not be very happy so usually something horrible happens i don't really that's just based on one year's worth of doing it but it was like every single one of them was about like a horrific crime that occurred in like the 20s animated shorts can have the capability to be much happier so i'd recommend doing that in particular this year there was one called the ice merchants which i thought was fantastic so that's uh that's the gist of that and also i finished dead space i might have mentioned that last week i can't remember i don't remember when i finished it but it was a chef's kiss I came in at right around 14 hours to beat the whole thing and complete all the side missions. And I loved it. It's just a perfect game. Give me Dead Space 2 Remake. I'll buy it for $70 again. And I won't even think about it. Yeah. Tactic, why don't you uh, keep us rolling here? All right. So last week I had said that I started playing Sonic Frontiers. And, I, and the question was asked, hey, how's the soundtrack? And I said, ah, it's just kind of okay. I immediately got my foot firmly planted into my mouth when I battled the first boss. It has no right going as hard as it does in the soundtrack for these boss battles. My God, you're, you're, you're fighting for your life to heavy metal music and it just freaking slaps, man. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like pop punk bands of the 2000s, but there is a band Sleeping With Sirens and the lead singer is lends his vocals to three of the Sonic Boss songs. And at one point, I'm reading a book. And I'm like, is that something with Sirens? And it was. And I was confused. But it was great. Like, the gameplay is fantastic. The story is fantastic. The soundtrack is a banger. The only thing that really sucked was, like, the last song. It was kind of strange it was like a roll credit song that was a little weird but like the boss fights everything else who can like honestly the boss fights alone is what gives this game such a raving review everything else who cares but the boss fights just chef's freaking kiss they're a little easy for my liking i i, I probably if i played it again would do it on hard mode says the guy who was wiping his hands every five seconds because he was profusely sweating <laughs> 
that's just because I sweat when I play video games. The boss fights, after the first boss, after I got like the hang of it, the boss fights were, were crazy easy. But yeah, this game, definitely check it out. It's a short game, 15 hours, which is like right up my alley. I get bored if games start to encroach on that 20, 30 hour mark. So like it was open world, but there it seemed like when I caught bits of you playing, it seemed like there was more than just like open world stuff going on. Was there like mini games? Like what was happening? Yeah. So as you're exploring in order to get progressions, you have to get keys. You get keys from doing like the standard Sonic levels. You have to beat them at a certain time. You got to get, you know, hidden coins in the level. You got to exit with a certain amount of coins. And if you get all those things, you get keys and you can progress in the story. And so there was the open world, but there was also the standard races that you know and love. And it was just good. I recommend checking this game out and just you'll enjoy it. Seriously, you'll enjoy it. Just take my word. You heard it here first, folks. It was just good. It was just good. And I was bopping to the sound. Check out the soundtrack for sure. Just for the boss fights, I can care about everything else. Very good. Does that bring us over to Nerd Bomber? Yes. All right. So I have still been playing Pokemon Violet, which has been super great so far. There's a storyline. I think I said this last week. Amazing. Love it. I love that there's actually like stories that I care about in this Pokemon game now. And just like exploring the open world is so much fun. Like I'm one of those people where I am like a map completionist and which makes a lot of open world games really bad for me like Assassin's Creed Valhalla I think I put over 100 hours in which was like ridiculous and a lot of time for me especially just because I wasn't even necessarily doing everything I was just like clearing the map and just making sure I was everywhere just in case and so I'm doing that with Pokemon but at least it's like a little bit tighter of an experience like it's an open world but it's not like overwhelmingly sprawling so i'm having still a really good time with that and i also finished another book this one is called the age of vice and it was described to me as an indian version of the godfather and sort of i guess i never read the godfather um but i i know enough about like the godfather story to say sort of it's about basically a um a syndicate family in India and the offspring, the son of the the main head honcho guy doesn't really want to follow in his father's footsteps and just everything that kind of comes of that. It's a, it's a very interesting story. There was a little bit, so it's over 500 pages and there's a little section of the story that I was like, I don't know why this needs to exist. It got a little weird. But other than that, it was like very, very good read, very fast read. The ending kind of ended on but it felt a little bit open. I don't know if I want to necessarily call it a cliffhanger, but after I finished the book, I looked online and apparently there's going to be a sequel. So it kind of wraps up the story, but it's a little bit open-ended and open for interpretation as well. So that felt a little unsatisfying too, but I'm assuming that's because, you know, sequel plan, they need to keep you keep you yearning for a little bit more. But it was overall a really good book. So I if you're interested in godfather-esque sort of things if you're interested in reading about you know other cultures other parts of the world i thought it was very very good so that is a lot of what i've been up to very cool well that takes us to the weekly game segment and i know i'm not hosting yep it is me okay take us away so these kind of quizzes are my favorite when Steven's on with us, because if he wins, you guys both take an L and you don't get a win. And it, it just further solidifies my lead, which is great. That so, just puts pressure on me now. Yeah. So please, please do well. Well, only if you want Tactic to win. Yeah. 
which you probably do. So no, so that's that's, that's yeah. Good. He's he's my favorite. So yeah. why wouldn't I want him to win? I don't know that I shot that through I do the heart. That. Yeah, that, that was devastating. So without further ado, the topic is Pink River Dolphins. Yeah, that's right. I said it. There's pink dolphins out there, guys. I, I don't know if this is a real thing, but we're just, just going to do the. And the males gonna... are even more pink. That said, when is the first record of them being studied? I assume Nirvana's going to go first to give us an advantage. Sure. Yeah, before we before you go, Nirvana, I guess I'll, I'll say, Nirvana is two and two, I am two and three. Steven, uh, clean bill of health, zero and zero. We'll see how this goes. Tactic three and two, of course, is in the lead. I'm going to say this is the 80s, 1983. I'll go next. I don't know. I don't know. Let me just start by saying that. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> when is the first record of them being studied? It's It's earlier than the 80s. It's the 1920s. 1922. I'm going to say 1700. You guys realize that they could study these well before the 1900s. Yeah, well, I've never heard of this, so I assume it's relatively new. Are we talking Jesus times? We're not talking Jesus times, but Stephen definitely takes it. It is 1817. Okay, well, fine. (laughs) They're close to the Amazon rainforest as far as where they're hanging out, like that area in general. That's good to know, because I would have had no idea. That said... The Amazon River Dolphin is another name for pink river dolphins, and it is the largest species of river dolphin, with adult males reaching how many pounds? Ooh, um, dolphins can get pretty big. I'm going to say a, a tight 180, 180 pounds. I'm going to go, I'm thinking 323. I'm going to go on the low end, because if we're talking river dolphins... I mean, we're not talking the ocean. Rivers are pretty small. I'm going to say 50 pounds. My guy over here, he's got this. Am I your guy? No. Am I your guy? No. I'm not your guy? No, because you know, you all know who I want to win. You've been replaced, son. Yeah, evidently. They can get up to 408 pounds. These are Big thick. old boys. Think, think, about, think about all that fat they need for their sonar to work. I'm thinking about it right now. I'll tell you that much. All right, so if Steven gets this, you guys We're lost. getting crunched. Yeah, we're getting crunched hard. Uh, uh, he goes first, though, so disadvantage on this question. So the Pink River Dolphin has a long, thin snout with how many pairs of teeth? I'm going to say he is rocking 125 teeth. I'm going to do it because I need the point badly. I'm sorry, Steven. 126. No. I'm, well, I, he said pairs of teeth. It's, uh, look, one. One pair of teeth. Because yeah. there can't be that many. Two, you guys guessed like on the t- 250 teeth. Well, I mean, like, it's a long snout. Like, but my, you guys well, yeah, but you how clearly long know about? nothing of your pink What if they have dolphins? little baby teeth in a hey. long snout? You don't know. I know a thing. I know a thing. What was it? 56 pairs. Yes. Yes. So, illegals making the competition last a little bit longer. All right. Well, geez. Sound, give me some credit. All right. So, next question. Up to how fast have they been recorded swimming? Is this miles per hour? In miles per hour. I'm going to say 55 miles per hour. Oh, it's faster than that. These are speedy boys. Is that why they call him miles per hour in Sonic? Are you kidding me right now? Oh I'm going to... My goodness. I'm going to... Uh, strategy. I'm going to say 56. I'm going to go with one. These are 400-pound animals. Did you guys pay attention? Dude, fish can be fat. Yeah, fish right? can be fat. Also, it's, it's, it's up to. 
This was the max. Yeah, up to 13.7 miles per hour. Oh, God, they're so slow. <laughs> they're slow and thick. <laughs> Wasted my plus one on that crap. <laughs> All right, Pink River it. Dolphins, you are, you are not the apex predator, that's for sure. All right, fair enough. Steven, uh, congratulations. Uh, there's still one more question to go, right, or was that it? Yeah, there's one more question to go. I still, I have to, I'm sorry. My mind was just, no, my mind was just blown by the fact that I kind of like slurred my words together and realized that tails miles per hour is miles per hour. And come on, guys, nobody reacted to that. But like, what? The best part is I did like being that. slow, thick. Is they're considered <laughs> in the rivers, they're considered the apex predators because there's nothing really that's big enough to get them. It's fantastic. If you're a slow, thick boy... Try to be a pink river dolphin. Nobody's given well, a bummer her glory of tails. What's, <laughs> Thank you, Steven. I appreciate only you. <laughs> let's see if Nurbummer can get on the board with this last question. Due to the long duration of breastfeeding, the baby stays with the mother for some time. How long until it becomes independent? Up to how long? I oh, hope right, your mind me. is blown that, that dolphins breastfeed, by the way, because that was... Oh, they're, they're mammals. They're mammals. Up to how long? It's a long time, guys. Yeah, four months. Four months. Wow. I was, I'm thinking 16 months. I'm going to say one month. Steven gets it again. Steven That's just forever. To play they don't, today. They don't become independent until about three years. That was going to be my guess, but that seemed too long. S- Stephen Keller noted Pink River Dolphin I was going to do marine biology <laughs> there, I mean, school. there are some mammals that take up to 18 years to be independent. I see what they're, you did there. They're humans. That, that was a... Uh, that was a master class. I think my favorite thing I have was to give you credit. Before the show, Stephen was like, I don't even know what the trivia topic is this week and uh, swept up. Yeah, max- yeah, four out of five of them. <laughs> Maximum flex, I would say. I, I managed to retain my dignity by getting one question right. So by default, I will host next week because Nurbomber was the ultimate loser. But nevertheless, we both take L's. So Nurbomber moves to two and three. I moved to two and four. It's kind of tough, too, because his record is infinity now. One over zero. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's in the lead. His record is a, he's a hundred percent success rate, which none of us have. So Steve moves into the quiz lead. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out for the rest of the year. Um, but really, what matters is who the ultimate loser is. And right now, it's going to be me again. Which, yeah, I didn't mention in my update, but I'm watching Book of Boba Fett. I'm starting to pay the piper. So more updates on that to come in subsequent episodes. I'm pretty early on now. But Stephen, thank you for joining us. Before we hit the bricks, is there anything you want to shout out? Any Twitter handles? Any Fire Emblem? Just play Fire Emblem? You know, is that is that the PSA you want to leave us with? Yeah, just just play a game you enjoy. Don't worry about your backlog. Just don't. Just guys, be don't there. worry about it. Yeah, yeah, I like let, that. Let something consume your life and just enjoy it. That, yeah, you heard, you heard him, folks. Let something consume your life and enjoy it. And until then, keep on podcasting.